This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. This is Andrew from Harlot, and you're listening to The Mosh Pit on Finn. Andrew Hudson is the guitarist and vocal of Melbourne thrash metal band Harlot, who have released their third album, Extinction. They'll be launching the album, A Show with Desecrator, at the Bendigo Hotel on April 29th. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Now, last time we talked, you were re-releasing Proliferation on Nuclear Blast after you recorded ah. it in- independently. <laughs> This time, recording on a label. Any any differences? The, um, we had a we had a budget. <laughs> nice, nice. Which was just an absolute novelty for me, because uh, for the first time in my life, being in a band didn't cost me everything I had, which is a huge program. Um, they were pretty laid back creatively. We just kind of, you know, we recorded pretty much the entire album before they heard it. Um, you know, knowing full well that they could either listen to it and go, yeah, that's great, or they could hear it and go, no, not interested, and drop us. Um, they didn't, you know, they didn't bend over producers or anything like that. They didn't ask for too many studio updates or, uh, you know, creative control. That's good. They just let us let us do our thing and then gave us some money for the, for the pleasure. <laughs> Did you feel any pressure with that? Like, this being your first kind of, hey, there's, there's actually someone ultimately who's kind of uh, paying you to do this? Um, if, if anything, I felt a little bit less pressure on that level just because because of you know the extra money we had towards it, we could take a bit more time in the studio and actually make sure we were doing things the way we wanted to do it. Like we, you know, uh, our budget for the album, like we, we spent like a good 50% more on this record than we did on the first two. And that was because we could afford to do that because, you know, we had uh, funding coming from somewhere else. Uh, the, the real pressure I felt was the fact that it was the third album, which is usually the make or break record for at least this kind of genre. Mm. There's a lot. There's a lot of thrash bands that kind of just they do one really solid album and then immediately they kind of prematurely go hard rock. <laughs> like you'll, you'll you'll notice that you know all the big four bands they do like they do four good albums. They go we'll do four incredible thrash metal albums. Yeah. And then we'll get really tired and play some easy stuff because I'm sick of doing that every night for an entire year. Yeah. <laughs> some people think they can get away with that a little bit early. The press release mentions uh, Teutonic Melody and Grit, which I really felt throughout. And it was, I, I, I love to hear that because I'm very much a big fan of the, the, uh, the German thrash metal bands. So what brought those influences to the, really to the, to the surface with this album? Almost entirely creative. Yeah. Um, I I love that band. I there's and I get weird looks for this, but uh, Cause for Conflict is like a, a major inspiration to me writing wise, just because it's it's honestly some of the best, like the cleverest writing Millie's ever done. Like his, you know, his the first couple albums were just angry and fast. The later stuff, he's got this. Um, he he admits that he needs to in, employ the cheese police for a lot of what he does, and I honestly think he needs to pay them a bit more because of some of the stuff he gets away with on those albums. <laughs> but there was this experimental period in the 90s, again, <laughs> when, you know, some bands went rock, he went, I'm going to do some bloody weird shit, and he, he did some, you know, electronic metal and, 
and there's you know there's some records that we shouldn't mention, <laughs> but um, cause for conflict is incredible. Right. It is just it is genius from start to finish, and that album, listening to that, it, it's you know it's bad to say this, but I, you definitely listen to that CD and go, oh, I'm going to steal that, <laughs> or oh, I'm going to be using something like that because that just sounds incredible. Mm. Yeah, I, it's, uh, yeah. The, the thing that's the but that's the thing with thrash metal. I've been thinking about uh, this a lot lately. Is in a lot of music, you've got to be careful that you're not seen as copying someone else's style. Yeah. But in, in you know, I think thrash metal especially, but in a lot of metal, that's kind of, that's that's how entire genres have solidified, is that one band played something interesting or slightly different, and all the bands thought, oh my God, that's so amazing, and then they changed their style to mimic that other band. It, it's, it's this weird thing where... If you actually copy someone, it's an incredibly bad thing. But because you're playing in their style out of love, it's it's not it's not something that's looked down about, down upon at all in in metal. I I find there's some people that love it. Like you know, obviously because I'm an egotistical megalomaniac, I go on all of our YouTube clips and I and I look I you know troll through the comments and you'll see nine good comments and then one bad one. And you'll obviously I'll focus on the negative because that's the kind of person I am. But there'll be nine comments, and nine of them will say, "Yeah, this sounds exactly like Slayer," and then one comment that says, "This sounds exactly like Slayer." That sucks. And it's you know some people are okay with it, some people aren't. I, I find it weird that a band could release you know 15 CDs that all sound the same, and someone would be like, "What an incredibly consistent band! How amazing is that?" But if you release one album that sounds similar to any of those other 15, everyone's like, you're a monster. How dare you do that? How dare you How dare you sing the way that you sing and have the voice that you have? You <laughs> yeah, it's funny like that. Um, in terms of the, the album, like, there's a couple of questions like, about song length, which I, I just focused on for some reason. Now, there's two of, um, the, two of the longest songs to date on that album. Um, yeah. The first on Extinction, which is nearly six minutes. And... And darkness. Oh, that's, that's that's all intro. Though. It's the same with the other yeah, one. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. It's a good 30, 30 to forty five seconds of intro. That's smoke and mirrors. Yeah, that's true. And darkness brings the light, um, which is over seven minutes. To be fair, it's over seven minutes. So you know, you put a little. It doesn't bit of, feel like it doesn't feel like a seven minute song though. I, I will. Agree. I feel like when you listen to that, you don't sit there and go, "Geez, this song is going on." I will agree with that, but like. What, what, what happened with that song? Because it's, you know, it's a bit out of the, the normal spectrum of the songs you write. I, had to get I, so hadn't, long. I hadn't done everything that I needed to do and <laughs> in, in four minutes, so I kept going until it hit seven. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew very much what I wanted to achieve with that track, and, you know, I finished it, and I listened back and went, ooh, that's lengthy. That's, that's got some... That's a bit long in the tooth, that one. <laughs> Just happens. They they come together in that way. I I couldn't have cut anything out of that because then it wouldn't have made sense to me. I'm very stubborn with my own music, which can be difficult to work with when you have other people with creative inputs and they go, "How about this?" and I go, "Well, that would work, but that's not how I hear it." So yeah. Now, in terms of the short songs, you you kind of have like one or two short songs. Uh, an album, and they're just blisteringly fast, and just really... every song's got a minute thirty a song. Every yeah. album's got a minute thirty. Yeah, song. exactly. What happens with those? Do you like go? I'm. I, I need to make a really fast song, or does <laughs> the song just much, kind much of much like happen? with the longer ones? 
in one minute and 30 seconds, I've done everything I needed to do in the song. <laughs> I go, yep, everything's there. Mm. That's the, right. the template, I've got a tick in all of the boxes on my little song template. I go, wrap her up, she's done, stick a fork in it. <laughs> in, in terms of like, the lyrical side of the album, what, what did you draw upon? Was, was anything related to the current, you know, and I know... SBS it, 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 World News. Yes. Were you drawing upon it, the state <laughs> of the that. world in any sense? Um, as, yeah, all of the albums have pretty much been, uh, you know, the first one dabbled in religion a, a little bit, but, you know, religion's just a the symptom of a greater issue, which is humanity. Um, you know, as much, you know, all the things are, uh, war and famine and all those, you know, just an inability to um, exist as a peaceful species. Mm. Um, I, I just, yeah, I don't have a lot of hope for mankind. Uh, I don't see a lot of good happening, and I don't see I don't see the good that I do see happening in the right places. I think the people in power don't care that much about making the world a better place because there's too much profit to be made from doing the wrong thing. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. And that is that is that is what I write about. Oh, you know, also the human mind is an incredible, incredible uh, piece of equipment. It's very flawed. Uh, they they often don't work in quite the way that uh, you know I would suggest they're supposed to, as a, from a biological point of view. But um, there's a lot there's a lot to write about just within just just within how people work mm. as individuals. When when Trump was elected, there was kind of a lot of talk, uh, specifically oh, about how exciting was that? By uh, the way, I, I, as, as a nihil, as a nihilist, like uh, just, you see that happen and you go good. I'm uh, done with living anyway. I'm ready. <laughs> I, I, Bring it on. I'm a, I'm a big fan of American politics in the sense that it's just fascinating to watch. And <laughs> I, I was watching the coverage from about 2 a.m. And everyone expected Hillary to win, and it sort of just turned. And oh, it was it was for me. It was just horrifying to watch that. It's just the it was s- horrifying slow... to realize that that's how far gone that country is. Yeah. To realize that things are obviously a lot worse in America and. Like he didn't, you know, he didn't get elected in by a majority vote. He, yeah. You know, he still only got like twenty-four point something percent of the vote, but that was still a, a quarter of the nation was that disenfranchised with how, you know, the government worked, and like that upset with how things were going that they went, yep, yeah, let's let's vote in the wild card. It's just it, it was fascinating to to realize that that's how far like that's how far gone they were and. That was news to us, because we knew that Trump existed. We knew, you know, we saw all of his speeches, and we saw all of his rallies where he had the, you know, his, his, his redneck people that just wanted to, you know, hit anyone of color and, and say these horrible things all the time. But we didn't realize how significant that support was, because that's what they didn't show us. Mm. But, uh, my, my thoughts is, like, they talk a lot about late-night comedians won't, be able to make any more jokes because how do you make a joke about it? Um, I've got uh, material for days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that, that's what it's turned out to be. But, but in terms John of John Stewart must have wanted to come out of retirement <laughs> for that one. Oh, I, I think he might soon. In, in terms of <laughs> this sort of situation, how do you think this kind of affects people of your mindset, my mindset, similar mindsets in terms of our approach to you know uh, ideas about the world and writing lyrics and all that stuff? 
how do you think that's going to be a source of inspiration? Like, do you think it makes it harder because the world's just nuts and just crazy and just doesn't make any sense in a lot of ways? Or do you think it makes it easier because the kind of conflicts that often... Conflicts, violence, all that sort of stuff is in your face and so you can draw upon it that much more easily? Well, it's definitely inherent in, in a, you know, society as a whole. And I think, you know, the worse things get... The, potentially the better it's going to be for, for you know for people doing what we do um, because you know if if my lyrics my lyrics are always going to be about that kind of thing but if if they can connect with a larger audience because of how the world is then you know <laughs> obviously that's more money in my pocket <laughs> uh, which is a hor- horrible way to think about you know but you know I've got to make the best of a bad situation the, um, the artwork for this album shares kind of a lot of common with proliferation the kind of um, view of the, you know, the, the dying yeah. world. Did you notice that it's a big circle as well? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got three albums with circles <laughs> on the front, and they're called Origin, Proliferation, and Extinction. Yeah, I think because I'm all about the trilogy. I'm not sure we're going to go after this one. To be honest, you might have screwed yourself. Oh, <laughs> to the Barbados to retire. <laughs> How did this artwork come together? Like, were you sort of saying, "I, I want this, I want that." Was it the artist's work? How I have no come? idea. I'm really bad. My creativity stops at music and lyrics. It, like, it, that's, it, I can't go any further than that. I have terrible ideas visually. Um, so I just I send song titles and some lyrics to Andrei Bluchikov, which is an expat Russian living in, I want to say, San Francisco or California. He does all the municipal waste, toxic holocaust artwork. He did the, um, he did the proliferation artwork as well. I just send him, go, look, here's what the songs are about, and let me know what you come up with. And then he sends me back drafts, and, you know, he sent me back a hand cracking open the earth with, you know, oil leaking into barrels, and it was orange and green and blue, and I thought, well, that's just, that's just so cliched and so disgustingly trash that I have to take it. Yeah. No one's going to pick up that CD and, and think it is anything else <laughs> yeah. other than what it is. I noticed also the continuation of the Atomic Ring, which is a nice Yeah, touch. how good is that? The Manhattan yeah. Project symbol. Exactly. It's a great that touch. That was my one of... input. <laughs> that was my one input. You've got on uh, proliferation, him clutching the money, the missiles, yeah. and him just now just rending the world with his bare hand. Mm. Yeah. Just, just bleeding it dry, cracking it open for a profit. And... Ah, yes. Good times. <laughs> um... You've got a new guitar. I also made him rotate the globe so that Australia was on the front. I, I, I love that as well, because you just don't see it, because it's always North America. It's always North America. Uh, we, got, we got back from a European tour, and if there's one thing we need to ham up, it's the fact that we're Australian, because for some reason that sells. Oh, cool, that's a good deal. I think it's just because we're not American. <laughs> yeah, especially in this day. Well, the last, I don't know, 50 years, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, don't like, they don't like Americans over there. Regardless of what the Americans think, <laughs> they're not a popular people. <laughs> You've got a new guitarist, Jake. How's, how's he going? He's good. He's a riff machine. Excellent. He's, good. he's a good bloke. He's, he's got his head screwed on straight and he's very chill there. And he's, he's been through all of the motions with his own bands. So he knows exactly what he wants to do. And he's very, very happy with the thought that he's going to be able to do what he wants with this band. Oh, cool. Which, you know, suits us. We're happy to take him along for the ride and and have a mutually beneficial relationship with the guy. 
Now, I think last time we talked, you were going on your first international tour with the Nylad. How'd that go? That's the one. Oh, mate. What a, what a time that was. How do I even describe that? It was, it was the hardest and best six weeks of my life. I have never felt such highs, and I have never plummeted to such lows. <laughs> there is nothing worse than trying to do an interview with a gorgeous young French lady after four days of not sleeping or showering <laughs> and having to hold her arm's length and apologize profusely for the odor. <laughs> um, look, it's, it was amazing to see Europe in that way. It was a lot of time on a bus driving down highways, but it was, you know, every day you'd wake up in a new city and get to meet new people and try out some new customs and, and you know, drink horrendous coffee. Just, just, uh right though because we started in England so the food just like got better as the tour went on mm, mm. just it started at the lowest point with you know cod and chips <laughs> and then we went to you know Paris and just ate bread and cheese yeah it was a good time the crowds were really responsive uh, we sold a ton of CDs which I guess was the idea from a business point of view mm. and um, I have several enjoyable memories uh, none of which I can repeat in polite company. <laughs> now, you've got a sh- the show, as I mentioned, April 29th with Desecrator. Um, yes. Do you have any upcoming tour plans? Is anything in the works? Um, well, other than pulling every string I can to get those <laughs> creator shows, um, we've got some Australia dates uh, later in the year, which we're going to announce shortly after the launch, once we've uh, crossed a few T's and dotted some lowercase j's and um we've got legions of steel in may and then we've just announced two shows with um alkira in uh june we're doing a, we're going to ballarat which is always fun ballarat in june that'll be nice and warm and uh the night after that we're doing melbourne but yeah uh throughout july and august we're going to be doing all the major cities in australia well all the ones that we can manage to get to nice nice and um and we did just get an offer to do festival stuff early next year so hopefully something pans out then and if not we're aiming for Europe late this year oh cool it's all happening busy times I think the band's over 10 years old now do you have any thoughts about like time has passed like that's a long time to be involved in a singular enterprise it's a long time to be doing anything really you know you shouldn't don't repeat that to married people (laughs) not the mentality that they live by but um you know when I'm 20 what 27 now so you know when, when I started this don't, don't, I was don't, say, don't say how young you are because then you make me feel <laughs> because I, I haven't toured internationally and I'm 24 <laughs> yeah well you'll get there you'll get there <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's just around the corner so one I'm, day you too will get the experience to throw money at a problem and and, and hope that it makes you happy <laughs> Which is, again, don't say that to married people. <laughs> um, you know, when, we, when I started the band, I was a child, effectively. And it did, it did took, take me a very long time to actually work out what we were going to do. And I really don't think about this band having done anything until we started, until we released, you know, None in 2012. Which, you know, still good five years ago. Mm. But I, w- I would like to say that we've got a reasonably consistent uh, release rate. To album three, that's one every two years for the last six years, which is wait, the math is wrong. 
Yeah, we did well, we did album one twenty thirteen, album two twenty fifteen and we just did album three. Yeah. So yeah, I like to keep myself busy but you can't really can't go any better than that when yeah. we all need to work full time to afford to do what we do. Probably should be a lot better for how long we've been at it. <laughs> so, I barely know how to play guitar. <laughs> Well, it, do- it doesn't show. No one's noticed yet, I don't think so. Yeah, well, Gain is your friend, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, three last questions, kind of about you and your experience with you know, growing up and music and stuff. How did you first get into music? Um, apparently, I was always that way inclined, according to the parents. Um, and we had a lot of, you know, we were a very working class family, so our holidays were like, you know, four hour car ride to Bright, where we'd stay in a caravan for two nights and then head home um, and those road trips involved a lot of Jethro Tull and a lot of Milos and a lot of John Farnham and um, you can get a little bit heavy some of that music and uh, when I was about six or seven my brother who is um, seven years older than me got the recently released uh, Reload album and that was my introduction to Metallica when I was six or seven and it all, it all just went downhill from there <laughs> Listen, you listen to Pentalica, and then after a while you discover Megadeth, and you discover Slayer, and then you listen to Slayer for long enough that the solos are no longer terrible, and that's when you know you're in trouble. <laughs> it's interesting, because you, you know, we, we talk about the 90s style and the hard rock. How do you kind of work your way back from that kind of post-metal phase of Metallica into their, what most people properly well, call metal? Because if you listen to Metallica's first four albums and then, you know, the Load and Reload album and can consider them to be the same band at all, like, I think you're making a mistake. <laughs> and if you, can't, if you can't listen to Load and Reload for what they are, which is, like, almost flawless hard rock albums, right, with some of the best production qualities that has ever existed on, on any music recording ever, like, you need to be able to appreciate them for what they are. And they are heavier points, but they are mostly about the groove and the sweet melodies. And then you can listen to the old Metallica and be like, this is fast and this is heavy and this is hard. But then you, you can hear, you know, that the same people were responsible for creating this music as was responsible for making the other stuff because there are those signature feels to a lot of the stuff they do. But you do really need to appreciate them as separate entities, as, you know, 80s Metallica and then 90s Metallica and then just completely write off 2000s and above Metallica. Let's not even go there. That's fair enough. Uh, last question. When did you first pick up the guitar and start singing? Uh, start singing. Oh, all right. My advice to anyone, and this is what I always say, when I was about 17, um, the way I learned how to play guitar and sing at the same time, it was Megadeth's Rust in Peace. Because those riffs are ridiculous and the vocal lines don't make too much sense to the riffs. So if you can get those to work together in your head, you can do anything. Harlot's third album, Extinction, is out now, and they'll be playing at the Bendigo Hotel, playing at the Bendigo Hotel, Hotel with, De- with Desecrator on April 29th. Great. Andrew, yeah. thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute Thanks pleasure chatting with you. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Moshpit Backstage Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni. 
find out more about the show, go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsin and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsin. The regular Moshpit radio show broadcasts punk, rock and male tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on Sin 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream Sin 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music. Hi, this is Tomato from Flash Gun Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Enid from Girls Go. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heaven the Axe. Hey, this is Gary Oldman of the Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Moss Pit on Sin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Raoul from Shorty 49. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Eberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Sims.